Welcome to The Read Along, a mini book club for your ears. A proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one one chapter chapter at a time. Hosted by Andrew Paul and Elizabeth Bonkink and produced by Lisa Pruden, the Well Endowed Podcast explores the impact of passionate people who are working to make Edmonton a strong, vibrant city to live in. The Edmonton Community Foundation helps people create endowment funds. The podcast tells the stories of how these endowments intersect with the community. You can check it out right now at thewellendowedpodcast.com. And we're back. Hi, everybody. Once again. Once again. Here we are, trying to record our podcast amidst still a pandemic. Still global unrest. Still, yeah. A little uh, a little bit of normalcy in what has been a year of just topsy-turviness. Oh, so much turvy. Yeah. But uh, here we are in the luxurious read-along <laughs> library studio. Live, yes, the game library studio. Uh, where we are... That's a good name for it. Once again sitting down to discuss yet another chapter in our latest novel. Oh, I was expecting you to say, in yet another book. Well, I mean, yeah. We, like, famously, and we've said this before, we had set out to read through a book one chapter at a time, and if we had finished that one book, we were satisfied. We were like, we will have fulfilled the mandate. Woo, podcast! And here we are, what, six books in? I think so. Seven books in? I've lost count. (laughs) <laughs> it's not that big a number. Well, hold on, hold on. We started with Meddling Kids by... Edgar Cantero. Edgar Cantero, yeah. yeah. And we did Artemis. Yeah, by Andy Weir. Then we did The Word is Murder. By Anthony Horowitz. And then we did Moonshine. Yeah. Oh, I'm embarrassed. I'm blanking on the author. From Jasmine Moonshine. Gower. Jasmine Gower, thank you. And then we did A Memory Called Empire. Yes. By Arkady Martin. Yeah. And then our last book was The Municipalists by Seth Freed. Yes. Now we're in Perfect Little Children. Uh, so that means that we are indeed on our seventh book. Wow. Seven books. Yeah. That's pretty good, considering let's, we do it one chapter at a time. Yeah. Let's aim for 10. And if we get to 10 books, we can pull the plug on this and feel good about ourselves. What if I don't want to? Then we will continue. Hooray. <laughs> But in the meantime, before we get there, we should finish this book. And that starts with a little recap of chapter 15. We absolutely have to finish this book. I need to know what happens. I mean, you just skip to the end if you really wanted to. Well, no, because I'll miss all the stuff in between. And also it would be against the rules of our own podcast. Right? No reading ahead. In chapter 15 of our novel, Beth gave a massage, gave a little not advice, sort of, kind of. Kind of, sort of. Then also got a little advice. Yeah. We had, had ruminations. Yeah. Had a little epiphany about Lewis Braid and his genetics. And uh, <laughs> then got a totally sidetracked by Dom bursting into the room yes. and being like, you need to go to Xana right now at the school. And that, that was pretty much the cliffhanger. Your daughter needs you. You must run. And we were all like, this is like, this is a big cliffhanger. Clearly, this is leading into some major epiphany. Xana's been doing some sort of casework on her own. We're about to learn some bombshell information about this mystery that's going to blow it wide open. And instead, we get Chapter 16 of Perfect Little Children by Sophie Hanna.
Wow, Scott, tell the listeners how you really feel. Uh, okay, right up front. I did not care for this chapter. <laughs> nope. You you were you are almost angry about it. That's not true at all. You are way overstating my reaction. I don't think I am. But I did not care for this chapter. Uh, we are late in the novel. I'm invested in the mystery, and this was a total sidebar. And I'm happy to be proven wrong. I have faith in Sophie Hanna as a writer. I have trust in her from having read the book so far. So it's not like I'm just ejecting from the book at this juncture. Mm. But this chapter pulled me out of it a bit. It was a, it was a letdown because it was a total sidetrack onto a completely unrelated plot that kind of came out of nowhere. And it fed nothing into the main story, which I am actually invested in and want to learn more of. So this this entire chapter was kind of, it felt like a waste of time for me as a reader. It felt like a waste of my time. It felt like a waste of 11 pages. See, and to hear you talk about it now and earlier when we were briefly discussing the book, it, it genuinely sounds to me like you're angry about it. No, I'm just disappointed in the chapter. I'm not angry. If I was angry, I'd be putting down the book and being like, well, we're done with this. I hate Moving this. on. I hate this and going home. No, I, I, I have, I'm still enjoying the book overall. And to be fair, that could be because of the perspective of how we're reading it. We're reading it a chapter at a time in bites and then discussing those bites that we've had. And I might not see where this little bit of the book is leading yet, but standing by itself at this juncture in the novel, I was disappointed in it because it felt like it was taking me away from the story I was actually interested in following. And that's reader's prerogative. You're allowed to enjoy or not a piece of a book that you read. And that's perfect. Like we're, I, it has not happened yet. But there's going to come a time where we're going to read a book and halfway through we're both going to be giving each other side eye. And we're going to be like, well, we have to finish the book for the podcast. Oh, this slog, we will say. But neither of us is enjoying it. It hasn't happened yet. There are definitely books I've enjoyed more than others that we've covered in the course of the podcast. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to name names because I don't want to make anybody feel bad. No. And But I haven't hated anything. And I don't expect I'm going to hate this. And I haven't been hating it so far. It's just this one chapter jumped out at me because it was so out of left field and it took me away from the mystery I'm actually invested in and want to learn more about. Okay, let's talk about it anyway. But who knows? Next chapter, it might all tie back in and be wrapped up in a nice little bow and won't I be eating crow? And it will be delicious crow, I'm sure. <laughs> a little Bernays sauce on that crow. But standing alone, I was let down by this chapter. I finished this chapter and I was like, that's it? We didn't learn anything. Mm-hmm. Well... We did, just not about our mystery. We learned a little bit more about Beth, but I don't know. I feel like that could have been better served earlier on in the book, before I was on the hook for the mystery. Mm, I don't know. Well, let's go through it. All right. Well, Beth arrives at Xana's school, having followed her instructions. Yes. She parks outside, texts Maraud's phone yes. to say she's there. Gets a lengthy essay back full of instructions. To get her to a derelict art room. Yeah, it... I wrote down and I thought she was going on some kind of scavenger or treasure hunt. That's what it seemed like. But she's confused and suspicious for sure, but well, she does ultimately. She should be. Yeah, she does ultimately wind her way through the labyrinth that is Xana's school, which, I mean, sounds more like a university campus. I don't know what kind of high school she's at, but mm. my high school didn't break out into separate buildings all over the place. It wasn't a campus. No. But mm. know, schools in the UK might be different. Yeah. Uh, so. Can't really say. My experience is not necessarily Xana's experience. Absolutely. She arrives at the art room. Xana actually, like, checks if it's her first. And then tells Beth she needs to climb in the window. 
because she doesn't know how to operate the door. Well, it's not that she doesn't know how to operate the door. It's that it's got like a keypad lock on it. Yeah. And Xana doesn't have the code. No. So I'm assuming that they also snuck in through the windows. Well, Xana specifically, she's the only one there. No, Murad's there. No, he is. Oh no, that's right. Not. He's not there yet. Right, right, right. Uh, Murad actually, he's outside in with the of teachers. outside of in a video, does not appear in this chapter. Beth is concerned that if she climbs in through the window, she's going to get spotted by someone, and that's going to draw attention. And I did like this little bit of writing, which is Xana's like, we're in the middle of nowhere in this school. This building is falling apart and is going to get leveled. No one comes out here. No one's going to see you coming in the window. And then Beth is like, well, then why don't you come out here and talk to me? And Xana's like, what? You're crazy. Someone will see me talking to you. <laughs> <sighs> and I'm like, yeah. Teenage logic. That sounds like a teenager. Beth does manage to climb her way in through the window, not without some minor injury. And and some damage to her pants. Indeed. And... Oh, I'm sorry. Trousers. Quite. Xana then launches into, like, breathlessly asking Beth, okay, well, have you seen it yet? And Beth is like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah, seen and what? Xana's like, well, I emailed you a video. But, of course, Beth was with a client and then was given this urgent request to come to the school before 11 o'clock and rushed over. She hasn't checked her email. Yeah, exactly. Xana's like, okay, well, before I tell you anything, you need to watch it right now. So Beth logs onto the school Wi-Fi with some direction and... <laughs> plays the video. The video, in a nutshell, it's basically it starts with Xana and Murad on their way to their history revision class. Yes. Murad has brought a panini with him because they have an issue with their history teacher, Miss Hosmer, and they know that it will wind her up because she's a very good teacher who's also a very big stickler for the rules. Xana, knowing that Murad's going to get himself in trouble, has decided it would be funny to take her phone and record him getting in trouble. But when they get there... Miss Hosmer kind of makes a racist comment, or she, a, certainly a racist assumption about Murad. She does a racism. Yes, she does a she does a racism. Xana and Murad both kind of call her out on it, and rightly so. Yeah, and she gets really defensive, and then when she finds out that Xana has been recording it on her phone, she loses it. She snatches her phone, rushes out, and deletes the video. But Xana had had the presence of mind before that moment to quickly email it to Beth. So that's why Beth yeah. has a copy of it. So there is a copy. Miss Hosmer then went to the head teacher, which I assume is the principal. Yes, I assume that. Um, and basically snitched on them and said, like, they've been telling lies about me and they've accused me of a racism and they've, like, been disrespectful. Now they've, like, separated Murad and Xana and are speaking to them both separately because talking to them together, they backed up each other's story. And now they're good cop, bad copping them yes. individually. And that's why Xana has asked Beth to be there before 11, because her session is going to be coming up at 11 o'clock. Right. So now that makes sense. Yeah. So Xana's like, what do I do? I don't know how to proceed with this. And that's why I called you here is because I need advice. She doesn't want her mom to come in and fight her battle for her, but she does need some help. Yeah. She doesn't know if this is a, a hill worth dying on, basically, because she essentially asks Beth, do I let this slide? Or do I stand up for Murad? Like, do I try to take on the faculty of the school at the risk of them maybe kicking me out on yeah. the cusp of my graduation? Or do I put my head down and potentially do something hurtful to a man who I care about? And Beth is like, okay, well, the good news is, because I'm here, you have a third option. We're going to go and see the principal together. And let me do the talking. Yes. <laughs> and it, it makes me sad that Xana even has to make that decision. That she even has to do this. 
but that's the position she's in. She's yes. she's up against two people who are in a position of authority against her, which are Miss Hosmer and the principal, Mr. Stevens. Mm-hmm. The right thing to do is definitely to stand up for Maraud. Yes. But that's also the hard thing to do. Yes. It's a hard thing to do, especially because the two of them have the power to ruin her life at this juncture. Yeah. Because if she gets expelled, that's yeah. that's a serious blow to her future. It is. Right out of school, what you have on your resume is education, yep. not experience. And you need it to look good yep. when that's what you have. So she's kind of, yeah, stuck between a rock and a hard place. But again, Beth has presented her with a way to cut this Gordian knot. Yes. <laughs> because she's there and she can do that. We smash cut essentially right to Mr. Stevens's office. Yes. Uh, Hosmer and Stevens are both surprised to see Beth show up, but they're like, hey, you know what? It's probably for the best that you're here. You probably would have been called in anyway at some juncture. You've saved us a phone call. Yeah. Zana, Zana here has been causing all sorts of trouble with Maraud. They've said some terrible things about Miss Hosmer, and we're trying to get this sorted out. We get a little tangent here because... In addition to having heard what Xana has to say about Ms. Hosmer and her really mixed feelings about her history teacher, actually, mm-hmm. because on the one hand, she's like, she's undeniably a very good teacher. She's probably the best teacher in the school. Yeah. But on the other hand, she did a racism. Yeah. And, and she's also kind of a stick in the mud. Yeah. Like, the, and let's be fair. The reason why they were originally bringing the sandwich in and planning to record it was because they wanted to get a rise out of the stick in the mud. They just weren't expecting for her to... Do a racism and make it horrible. Yeah. Yeah. But Beth already has a pretty low opinion of Miss Hosmer. Apparently some time ago, Beth was called in to give the girls in the school a talk about basically being an entrepreneur. Yeah, because she runs her own business and she's fairly successful at it. Yeah, and she explained like how it was scary to leave behind her old career, but she was ready for a change. She wanted to do something she was passionate about, and she found some success doing it. And the girls apparently found it quite inspirational it was a very successful talk but then miss hosmer after the fact i guess thought it was too successful and had to like tamp down their expectations and be like look mrs leeson is an exception to the rule most people don't have success starting their own business it's important to have the social safety net under you of a career that you think is just drudgery like (laughs) it is important to settle ladies yeah it is important to settle so, yeah, Beth's had a fairly low opinion of Miss Hosmer since. Yes. Now, when we get into this conversation, though, Mr. Stevens has clearly already taken Hosmer's side. Well, yes. And my guess is that he heard Hosmer's story first. Well, and he's inclined right? to believe the teacher he's been working yes. with for all these years. But I don't know if she told him the whole truth and he said, okay, well, I'm, I've still got your back. Or if she, in fact, lied to him and said, I did no such thing and there's no proof and they've been telling lies. I'm pretty sure that... I don't know which it is. I'm pretty sure that she lied. Okay. It doesn't really matter, though, because Hosmer and Stevens are unable to really launch into their accusation against Xana before Beth just stops the train at the station and tells them, here's the deal. I already have a copy of the video proving that she made a racist comment. Would you like me to play it for you right now? And Hosmer is... Done. Like yeah, in that Lord. moment. Her, her entire defense is shut down by the fact that there is still an extant version of the video. And she flees the room, basically, yeah. in embarrassment. And I assume shortly thereafter, tears? Yeah, probably. Uh, she's because she's probably scared. Well, because she's probably going to get fired. Yeah, because she did the wrong thing. 
Yeah. Instead of just apologizing. She doubled down. She doubled down and tried to hide the evidence and then didn't. And now it's come back to bite her. And now it's way worse. Yeah. Way worse. Stevens tries to regroup here, but Beth shuts him down again and is like, here's the deal. One of my clients is an editor at a newspaper. I'll just give the video to them and they can run a story on their website about uh, the racist teacher working at this school. Or Hosmer can apologize to my daughter and her boyfriend and we can call this a day. And Stevens is like, well, maybe you should go home and we should sit on this. And Beth is like, if I go home without that apology... This is going to a newspaper, and then from there, I'm going to send it to some national newspapers. Oh, Beth is having none of it. Yeah, no, she stands right up to Stevens, and Stevens backs down like she has him in a corner. Yeah, she she is she holding. Does, she is holding the video in her hands. I'm I'm kind of surprised he didn't want to see it. He didn't need to see it. Let's quickly circle back to what you asked before about whether Hosmer told him a lie or not. Okay, I'm inclined to believe that she probably did, but even if she didn't. The fact that Beth is standing there saying, I have the video proof, and I'm going to send it to someone. like the- It makes the school look bad, yeah, and it's he over. doesn't want that, and our baby is gurgling in the background. Like, the, this, it's over. Like, the fight is over yeah. at that point. He, he tries to buy for a little bit of time and space so that he can think of something else to do. Well, he needs to do some damage control at this point. Yeah, and Beth doesn't give him the time to do that. She's like, no, if, I'm, if I leave here right now with Xana, my next call is to the newspaper. Stevens is finally like, all right, I'm going to go find Miss Hosmer right now, and we're going to get this yeah, sorted out. We're going to fix this. Please don't smear my school's name. Yeah. And Xana's kind of surprised they beat the system here, actually, because she, she, she thought she was screwed. Well, yeah. She's a teenager up against a bunch of adults at school, these positions of authority. Yeah. She doesn't have the life experience to do what her mother did, to know not to take any BS from these people. Well, and she's not in a position where she... She has no power. She, yeah, she's she's the underdog in this situation because the school has all the authority and power over her. Yeah, exactly. But Beth is, again, she's the third option. She comes in from outside. She is an out-of-context threat yeah. for the school. And she's she has, a parent coming in saying, I have the, I have the proof that's the and thing. I will destroy you. She has the evidence that Xana needs to back up her story because uh, Hosmer deleted it off Xana's phone. Which is, I can't even go into how, like, privacy invading that is. Oh, no, it absolutely is. To take a student's phone and then, like, manipulate it. That's so not okay. To be fair, and only, like, this is, like, one iota of fair to the situation. Um, It is made clear Xana should not have had her phone in that classroom. Yes, that's very true. And the school policy is probably to take away a student's cell phone if it is found in their possession in class. There's a difference between... Removing a phone from a student and actually doing something to that phone. Yeah. Going in and deleting personal and yeah. personal stuff on there. Yeah. That's that's the part that's not okay. Yeah. So, yeah. We, we end with Xana sitting there crying and then going, did, did we just win? Like, am I going to be okay? Probably. I think so. We don't know what the fallout is. If yeah. nothing else, her mom has her back. Yeah. And I think... I think Zan's going to be all right. Uh, No cliffhangers. No revelations about our mystery. Again, hence my disappointment in this chapter. If I may, I think this is building to something. It's this chapter to me was a good character piece on Beth. We've learned a little more about her. We know she is a fierce mama bear who like will defend her cubs. Right. 
We know she's not the type to take any BS from anybody, especially anybody who, you know, she doesn't feel should be doling it out. But I feel like that is characterization that, number one, we already kind of had for Beth. And number two, would have been better served earlier in the book before we were neck deep in a mystery. Maybe, but we don't know what epiphanies are coming. Like everything that has happened to Beth serves as some sort of epiphany or revelation or useful knowledge to her investigation into these children. And I don't know what's coming, but I know there is something coming. She's learned something today, and it's going to relate to this investigation somehow. This is building to something. It has to be. Well, I certainly hope so. Because otherwise this is a chapter out of nowhere for no reason, like you said. And I just, I can't believe that. That an accomplished writer like Sophie Hanna would just throw in a filler chapter just because. This means something, and I just don't know what. Well, and as I said at the beginning, in fairness to Sophie Hanna, we don't have the context of this chapter yet. Because we're reading it one chapter at a time. Yeah. And taken just as its own little thing, this feels like a short story involving characters we're familiar with that has nothing to do with the novel. Mm -hmm. I Hopefully think that's not the case. Um, I've even wagered a guess about what sort of I think will happen. I don't have any specifics. All right. I think that Beth is going to figure out a way to catch someone in a lie so that she can confront someone and try to get some truth out of it. That she's she's going to try to figure out a way to redo her gambit against Mr. Stevens and Miss Hosmer against the uh, braids? Possibly. The braids, the caters. Someone she knows has lied to her. That It's just a guess. Wild speculation on my part. I think maybe that's the lesson she's going to take away from this. If I were to speculate about how this could tie back in, it's possible, looking back at last chapter, in hindsight, Beth had a moment where she was trying to envision the two options ahead of her and what the end result of those would be. Okay. And pursuing the investigation herself ultimately left her with the question of, well, would someone believe me if I found something? Would I be in a position or have the power to be believed and to make change? And here she has done just that with her daughter. Yep. So maybe this is the push she needs to make that first choice and plunge back into the investigation herself. Yeah, maybe. Wouldn't surprise me if she went all vigilante I mean, detective she's, on this. There's still a lot of book left, and we don't have the mystery, and the story is not about PC Paul Pollard. <laughs> That's so true. I think we can safely guess that Beth is going to get back into the investigation in short order. Yeah, probably. Just as soon as she finishes uh, seeing, f finishes treating her next client. No, she's already said she's going to have to cancel that appointment again. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, we're hooped. At any rate, uh, we'll find out perhaps the context for this chapter as we move into chapter 17 of our novel. In the meantime, the Alberta Podcast Network has many partners and sponsors who don't just support the network as a whole, but also support all of the podcasts on it. One of the ways that they've decided to also help out is by giving... A little bit of amplification to independent, nonprofit, and community podcasters by donating some of their ad spots towards them in a program called Pod Power. And uh, Anita is going to highlight one of those podcasts right now. Indeed, I have a thing to read. 
With PodPower, ATB is making it possible for us to amplify the voices of Albertans and Alberta podcasters. This episode, we're giving a PodPower shout-out to the Alberta Queer Calendar Project. The Alberta Queer Calendar Project features monthly podcast dramas by queer Albertan writers throughout 2020. Episodes are released monthly and are free to access anywhere you get your podcasts. Listen and learn more about the Alberta Queer Calendar presented by Cardiac Theatre in partnership with What It Is Productions at queercalendar.ca. It's Pride Month. I thought it was appropriate to shout out their podcast over there. Absolutely. The podcasting space is vast. I mean, some of us were into podcasting before it was cool, but uh, but there are a lot of podcasts out there, and it can be hard to find podcasts with other voices in it sometimes. And I don't mean just like different people hosting. I mean people with different experiences and different mm-hmm. backgrounds hosting. Um, like we're two, we're two white folk in Canada talking about books, but... I mean, one of the other Pod Power partners is a series on Indigenous women who write books. Yeah. Um, one of the other podcasting partners for the network is about women screenwriters. And it's important to hear about these people. And it's Absolutely. important to hear these stories. And it's important to hear those voices. And Break the algorithm. Search for something different. Yeah. And I mean, that's one of the reasons why we've kind of made a pledge to seek out an author from a more marginalized group. Yeah. Uh, for our next novel. We've heard enough from old white dudes. With all due respect to the old white dudes whose novels we've read so far. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but we're, we've met our old white dude quota. We can move on. Well, yeah. But it's, yeah. it's, it's enriching to hear other stories and to hear the perspective of people who've had different lived experiences than us. Absolutely. So. Makes your life richer. Indeed. Uh, another way to make your life richer is to give us a rating and a review. <laughs> on your another pod- smooth Scott segue. On your podcatcher of choice. Uh, just because, you know, it, it feels good. It feels good to give a little bit of support to a podcast that you've been enjoying. Um, you can also check out all of the other podcasts on the Alberta Podcast Network on that podcatcher of choice. Or if you just want one place to see them all, all at once, you can find them on the website, albertapodcastnetwork.com. Yes. Uh, if you don't feel like giving a rating or review, or if you've already done it, which is even better, uh, and instead you want to reach out, you could do that too. We have a collection of social media for you. Yeah, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we have a little group set up on Goodreads, we're at the read-along, at virtually all of the above. Mm-hmm. And if that's not enough characters for you, we have an email address. Yeah, you can reach out to us at thereadalong at gmail.com. Yeah, Scott still promises to read it. And with that said, as always, we'll see you next time. More art room hijinks. Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. All Read Along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along, and check out our group on Goodreads.com. 